Well, once again, good morning. If you're joining us online, good morning as well. I'm a little sad today because this is our last week that we're going to be in Daniel, and I've, I've enjoyed this series. I don't know if you have, but uh, I have. I will say this. We will come back to Daniel at some point. There will probably be a part two to this because we could spend easily another six weeks here, but uh, anytime you spend that long in one place, my ADHD kicks in, and I uh, just can't really focus that well. So we're going to start a new series next week. We'll be based in the Gospels, and I'm excited about that and what that will have to offer all of us. And so, uh, But before we get there, we're going to dive into one last story in Daniel, the story that gets the most attention, and that is the lion's den. We're going to be in chapter 6 today. Now, in a perfect world, we only make mistakes one time, right? We make a mistake, we learn from it, and we don't repeat that mistake. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but that's not always how it goes. <laughs> but that is, that is what a perfect world would look like. And in an even more perfect world, those that follow our footsteps would never even make those mistakes at all because they were able to learn from our situation and scenario and improve upon it. Uh, but unfortunately for so many of us, we only learn if we learn the hard way. Um, you would think that after the fiery furnace, no one would challenge one of the faithful men of Israel. But pride and jealousy and the allure of power are almost always too much for humankind to um, overcome. And so in Daniel chapter 6, we see a story that begins similarly to chapter 3. And if you remember chapter 3, that's when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the fiery furnace. So at this point, a lot has kind of happened from the last time that we talked. Nebuchadnezzar has been long gone. One of his descendants who took over has already been uh, removed, um, killed in fact. And so we have a new king, King Darius, and he is a Midian. Uh, he's kind of put over this kingdom, and uh, it changes the dynamic just a little bit as far as the king's power and his ability to change certain laws. But what hasn't changed is that Darius is able to recognize and see that Daniel is good and wise and faithful and an excellent servant of the kingdom. And so he places Daniel in a position of power uh, really, really high up in the kingdom. And underneath Daniel are about 120 other satraps uh, who are basically just kingdom servants, who uh, are the politicians, so to speak, of the kingdom and make sure that everything's running well and they advise the king and they just try to keep the kingdom intact. Now, Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter 3, was put into this position of power by King Darius. And it doesn't sit well with others who are upset at serving underneath a foreigner a foreigner, somebody who's not from their country, somebody who doesn't serve their gods and doesn't serve himself like they all do. And so some jealousy it takes place and, and, and they are looking for a way to rid themselves of this Daniel problem. So it says in verse four of chapter six, then the high officials in the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. And what I have learned through this book and specifically we see right here in this chapter is this there will always be people who seek to find fault in the faultless here's what i mean by that it never fails it never does there will always be those who trend towards the negative who will find a reason not to like you 
Now, sometimes we give people a reason not to like us. Um, unfortunately, uh, I would say that the majority of people that don't like me uh, probably have a pretty good foundation for doing so. I wish that was not the case, but I'll be honest, I sometimes, uh, on occasion, repeatedly put my foot in my mouth, and it comes back to uh, bite me quite often. Now, I, I'm trying to improve upon that. I feel like I've improved upon that, especially over the last three to four years. Um, but we're always going to find somebody who has an issue with us. We can't please everybody, and we won't. And sometimes that issue is just that we're not like them. We don't see things like them. We don't do things like them. Uh, and because of that, they have a problem. And they'll pick something out about you, and they'll decide for whatever reason, for that reason specifically maybe, you don't deserve happiness and you don't deserve success. And that's really what's happening here with Daniel. And they'll do everything they can to knock you down as many notches as they possibly can. So here's our goal. Let's give them nothing to talk about. I wanted to sing this. I wanted to have the band up here. Let's give them nothing to talk about. You know what I'm saying? But that's the goal. The goal is for us to give them nothing to talk about, for them to have no solid foundation or cause to actually have an issue with us. And if we continue in verse 4, it goes on to say, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. So they wanted to have an issue with Daniel. They wanted to have grounds to have Daniel removed from his position, but they couldn't find any reason to actually be upset with him. They couldn't find any grounds for the king to want to displace Daniel from his position. He was faithful to the kingdom, even though the kingdom itself was not his own. He always stepped forth in wisdom. He always sought to do what was best and what was right and what was true. And when we live our lives that way, typically that's what people have a problem with because they can't find any other thing to have an issue with us, right? Daniel lived in such a way that they had no valid claim. He's too smart. He's too wise. He's overly respectful. He stands firm on his convictions. These are some of the things that they could have said about him, right? But they didn't have anything else. What they decided is in his wisdom and in his intelligence and in the way that he respectfully handled almost every single situation and from what we know, all situations, this guy was a real problem. He was a real problem and we just have to do something about it. Now, my goal I think it should be your goal as well. But my goal is to live in such a way, when people have a complaint about me, they sound insane. I mean, I'm just, that's really my goal. What? You don't like him? What's wrong with you? Now, again, I already said it. I've given people plenty of reasons. Some of you out there are thinking, no, they're not insane. You're a moron, right? I understand. I understand. But that doesn't change my goal. That doesn't change the fact that my goal is to live in such a way that people don't really have a solid foundation to have a quarrel or complaint with me, right? That I can step forward in everything and say, maybe you don't agree with me, but I treated you with kindness. I stand firm on my, I stood, I stood firm on my convictions and I, I just did my very best to do what I thought was right. What if... What if we gave people nothing to talk about? What if we gave them nothing to talk about? What if all they could come up with are false claims and frail arguments? That's the goal. 
What if all they could come up with are false claims and frail arguments? What if the only issue that they had with you was your faith and the fact that you were different from them? That's all the other leaders in the kingdom could hold against Daniel. And I think that's how we have to try to live our lives, that we put God in such a position in everything that we do that the complaint, the offense, is really that we serve our God and not what it is that we are doing in the decisions that we make. Knowing that they had no actual complaint with him, knowing that there was nothing that he had done and nothing that they could point to in his decision-making with the kingdom that they could entrap Daniel, they tell us in verses 6, 5 through 9, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So all the high officials of the kingdoms, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce the injunction. This is verse seven, okay? I'm skipping. So we're five, we're seven, we're nine, okay? So verse five says, hey, we're not gonna find any, anything to complain about other than his relationship with his God. In verse seven, they go to the king and they say, hey, king, all of us have gotten together. Mind you, Daniel's excluded. All of us have gotten together and we have decided that you should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any God or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And we're told in chapter or verse 9 that, that Darius liked what he heard so much that he signed the document and injunction. So they approach their king and they shower him with all these compliments. Oh, great and wonderful king. You're so beautiful and awesome and smart and all the great things. You should be worshipped. And he likes the sound of it. You know what? I think you're right. I think I should be. And so they said, hey, for a solid month, 30 days, no one else should praise anyone, petition anyone, talk really about anyone unless it's about you because you deserve it. And again, the king, he falls for it. He likes what he hears. And so he signs it into uh, a, a document. He signs the document. He, he makes the injunction. The king basically fell for it. And they came before him with false praise and ulterior motives, and he fell for it. And there is a lesson in there, and, and I don't know maybe exactly what it is, but we need to be careful about who we listen to and why we're listening to them right? I always think of the analogy of, a, of a, a ship captain, right? And the captain wants the, the voyage, he wants the trip to go off without a hitch, and he wants everything to be magnificent and wonderful. And what he doesn't know maybe is that there are some holes in the hole of the ship and water starting to come in. And there are certain people who want to tell him, hey, we're about to sink, water's coming into the ship. But he's got a whole other group of people who are saying, oh, no, this is the best ship of all, and you're the greatest captain, and everything's wonderful. And he likes the sound of that better, so that's what he listens to. Meanwhile, the holes are getting worse and worse, and more water is coming in, and eventually, before he knows it, he can't make any corrections. There are no repairs that can be made. His desire for everything to go well is down the drain, and he loses the ship. And I think so often in life, we want positivity. 
We want things to go well. We only want to surround ourselves with people that build us up. There, there's a whole push in our society today to surround ourselves with people who only build us up, right? But when that's what happens, we don't ever get to hear about the holes in our ship. We don't ever get to patch those holes. And then our ship sinks. And, and Daniel was one of the few who, come hell or high water, was going to be truthful, was going to be honest, was going to point out the holes in the ship. And the king, knowing the wisdom of Daniel, maybe, possibly, just should have kind of ran this by him. Hey, this is what all these people who are underneath you are telling me I should do. What are your thoughts? I think Daniel earned that type of trust. We have people in our lives that we know are going to tell us the truth, whether we like it or not, right? I hope you do. I hope you do. People who are going to say, hey, your stuff stinks right now. You need to fix it. We need those people. We need those people. Remember, we talked about how people who are trying to be righteous before God crave correction. We crave correction because we want to ensure that our ship doesn't sink. But the king, he fell for it. He fell for it. And I, I told you earlier he was Midian, and that's important because there was a, a, a Medo-Persian custom that did not allow for even the king to revoke a decree. That if they signed something into law, that if they said something was to be, they couldn't go back on it. And this is where the rest of the leaders were able to entrap Daniel. You see, because they said that nobody could worship the king for 30 days. But Daniel prayed three times a day, every day, like clockwork. It was known. He sought his God in all things. And so here's how they were able to entrap him. They finally got what they needed. In verse 10, it says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. This is not an act of defiance. This is not Daniel trying to turn his nose up at the king's decree. This is not Daniel even attempting to be disrespectful to the king. This is Daniel holding true to his relationship with God. This is Daniel saying, this is my custom. This is what has brought me success. This is why I'm in the position that I'm in. And I will not let anyone bend or break me just because they say I can't do it. And as he has shown time and time again, he will respect respectfully decline to listen to any direction that speaks directly against him serving and being faithful to his God. And that is why I find Daniel's example so powerful. Because I would love to stand here and tell you that I know for a fact, without shadow of a doubt, that I would do exactly as Daniel had done. But there are times when I am more coward than Christian. There are times where my faith, I allow it to be shaken because I'm worried about outside influence and how it might affect my life. 
But Daniel stepped forward in all things in faith and said, my God will come first. For those that sought to find a way to entrap Daniel, they got exactly what they wanted because the one thing he would not do is compromise his relationship with God. No matter what is before us, our relationship with God is off limits. No matter what is before us, our relationship with God is off limits. And I hope that that is the line that we will draw on the sand. That that is the one thing that we will not bend or break on. That we will put God first in every situation. That if that means that if we have to say goodbye to a relationship, we do so. If that means we have to quit a job, we do so. If that means we have to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations and positions, that we will do it because our relationship with God is off limits. We don't have to be disrespectful. We don't have to be unkind. We don't have to make a giant show about things. God sees, God knows. But we must stand firm in what we believe. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of my favorite chunk of verses in all of Scripture. And I love Proverbs because Proverbs is like straight wisdom. It's all practical. It's the one book of the Bible. Oh, there's probably more than that. I shouldn't say it that way. But it is definitely a book of the Bible that if you took Proverbs off of it, if you didn't like tell people it was scripture and you just made a, a bunch of memes about it and put different pictures of wild animals behind the sayings, people would be like, oh, that's great stuff. That's fantastic. That right there, right? They would love it. They would love it. Oh, that's so wise. That's so good. Proverbs is that way. 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Daniel clearly believed in this proverb. He clearly followed its teaching and its words because he chose to honor God and follow regardless of the risk, even when that risk meant certain death. And over and over again, he continually proved that he would honor God even if death was the consequence of not doing so. So receiving the justification that they needed Having caught Daniel in the act, they go to the king, those devils. They go to the king and they present their case. In chapter 6, 13 through 15, it says, They answered before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Now, Darius, a little bit different than Neb, right? Neb was a hothead. If anybody would have done something he said not to do, he's flying off the handle. Darius is a little different. It says in 14 that when the king heard these words, he was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. So he's looking for a loophole. He knows, I think at least he knows, that Daniel had been set up and that he himself had been set up. But remember the custom. He can't change his word. He already signed the document. It's already become an injunction. It is law. And not even the king can change the law. And if he does so, he destroys the entire foundation of his kingdom for a foreigner. 
And that becomes a problem because his kingdom is destroyed and it would result guaranteed in his life being taken from him. But he still understands what's at risk here. And he doesn't want to put Daniel into the lion's den because it is certainly death. It is certainly death. And so he toils all day to try to find uh, a loophole, uh, some reason why he doesn't have to follow through with his word. But the men, these same men that accused him and, and, and tricked him into signing this into law, they came with an agreement all together to the king and they said, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. You see, because the kingdom is all-knowing, the king is all-wise, the king wouldn't make a mistake. So if the king signs something into law, then that's exactly what should have taken place. At least that was the belief that they had been pushing on their people. And so with his hands tied by the law, the king has no choice but to send Daniel to the lion's den. And he places a stone over the mouth of the den, and it says that he actually sealed it with his seal, meaning that he would have put some sort of hot wax something and put his, wing, his ring into the wax, right, to leave his symbol on that rock that would have told everybody that rock is there on purpose. You better not touch it. So not only do they drop him into a den that's pretty inescapable, I'm assuming, with a, a bunch of lions, because we're later told that they had to like hoist him out of there. So it's not like he's climbing out. They wanted to guarantee that there's nothing that can happen as far as him escaping. So they put a giant boulder over the opening. And the king says, you can not move this. So he leaves Daniel to the lions. And he spends a, a, a sleepless night brewing in his anger at being tricked by his other advisors. And I didn't include this verse specifically, but as he's putting Daniel into the lion's den, he says, may your God save you. I mean, it's the gist of it. May your God save you. I don't want you to die. And so he spends this sleepless night. He's angry at being tricked by his other advisors, and he's just tossing and turning. And when daylight breaks, he rushes out to the lion's den, and he calls out to Daniel, wondering, hoping, thinking that it's not possible, that Daniel might just be saved. And he's wondering if he gets a response. And this is what we see in verse 21. After he calls out to him, it says, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. In the words of William Shakespeare, the truth will out. The truth will out. It will come to light. People will, without a doubt, know. They will know. They'll know the truth. They'll know that you didn't do wrong. It will be discovered. And as happy as Darius is to remove Daniel from the den, he was just as happy to send Daniel's accusers and their families in his place. And Daniel, having spent hours in the presence of the lions, we are told that on, on the flip side, his accusers and their families didn't even make it to the bottom before experiencing their destruction. It actually says in Scripture that they didn't make it to the bottom before their bones were crushed. 
Ooh, that's nasty. <laughs> like character wins over misrepresentation every time. Character wins over misrepresentation every time. We talked about it at the start. There will always be people that will find a reason to not like you. There will be times, especially as Christians, where we face persecution, where people will do their best to assassinate our character, to belittle our story, to take away the power that has been placed in our lives through what God has done. But your character, your character will show. The truth will out. People who know you will hear those accusations and they will laugh. And they will laugh. And those that don't, well, I can't help but notice that those that falsely accused Daniel and sent him to the lion's den found themselves in the lion's den. Will we trust our God to be faithful and true? Because his promise is that he will be faithful and true. Will we trust our God when we face the lion's den to say that he will shut the mouths of lions and he will deliver me and I will come out the other side of this better for it. Time and time again, this is exactly what Daniel did. And your character wins over misrepresentation every time. And when character exists, you need to understand that this world hungers for it. People want to know the source, why you are different. And that is when God gets the glory. Verse 26 and 27. This is Darius now. I will make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall never end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Our God delivers and he rescues. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and Lord, I thank you. I thank you for deliverance. I thank you for the rescue. I know personally left up to my own devices, I would fail time and time and time again. And I have. But when I follow your calling in my life, when I place you first, when I do as you would have me do to others, when I love you first and I love my neighbor as myself, you've shown over and over that you will honor that commitment. God, we live in a world 
where the title Christian has so many native, negative connotations attached to it that it can make it uncomfortable to stand firm and put that label on ourselves. But those negative connotations exist because people are imperfect sinners, not because they serve an imperfect God. You are a perfect God. You love us. You fight for us. You shut the mouths of lions. You shut the mouths of liars. God, may we stand firm on our convictions. May we have the courage to do what is necessary so that our relationship with you always comes first. Give us the strength and the wisdom that we need in order to finish our race. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Stand up with us and worship. Stand up with us and worship this morning. If you need to pray, I would love to pray with you. I would absolutely love to pray with you. Uh, Ashley, can I have you go back? Ashley's going to be back here on the left side. Shane, can I have you walk around to that right side? So you've got Ashley, you've got Shane, you have myself. If you need to pray with anybody, please come pray with one of the three of us. If you need to talk about turning your life over to Jesus, about really making that commitment to say that he will come before all things, and that's not something that you have done, I want you to come talk to me about that today because there is no more important decision that you can make than to turn your life over and submit yourself to God. Otherwise, we are going to stand and we are going to worship and we are going to give God what he is due.